Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. Time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Belisai. I'm here in my home studio recording far, far away from my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hey, Matt. Guess what? What? We're both fully vaxxed. Well, we both got our second shot. We're not at the two-week mark, but also, most importantly, it's my birthday month. Oh, great. That's right. Birthday month. My birthday is not until later in this month, but it is May, which means my birthday <sighs> happens soon. Everybody celebrate me. Not, you know, not really the newsworthy thing I was I was anticipating this month. The more important thing for my life is that I am fully vaccinated. But sure, whatever. Make it I mean, the you, only I reason to be fully vaccinated is so that we can have birthday festivities. So it's that is really true. all that is comes true. back to me. Great. I'm so happy for you that you did Thank this you. thing that everybody does, which is turn another year older. Not even yet. <laughs> Not even. I won't acknowledge it until the week of. <laughs> and even then, we'll see. What day of the week is it? It's a Sunday. Of course, you just know off the top of your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that is technically the beginning of the week. So unfortunately, I won't be able to acknowledge it until that Sunday. <laughs> How's my week, you ask? No. Great. <laughs> it's my birthday month. We don't ask how you're doing. How How's your week been, Matt? I mean, it's gotten much better. I got my second shot on Monday mm-hmm. and I was I was one of the people who got like uh, the entire list of side effects. <laughs> um, so I had like fever and chills and I almost was hesitant to like acknowledge that because I don't want anybody to think like, oh, because I had that reaction, like they shouldn't get it. It's 
expected. Yeah. It's just your body is doing what it's supposed to do. That's your immune system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's because my immune system is so big and strong and sexy that my body was like, okay, we're going to do this. <laughs> we're going to protect him under any any semblance of threat. I did post, I, I posted a pic where I, you know, after I got both of my shots, mm-hmm. because obviously I need to brag both Yeah, times. I mean, any time there is a reason to take a <laughs> selfie, obviously you're going to take a selfie. Yeah, for the most part, everybody, like, there, were, there was just a couple of commenters that popped up uh, that were like, I'm sick of this, like, pro-vaccine agenda. I'm not going to inject this experiment into my children. And it's like... Okay. <laughs> it did make me think like, okay, I I want I want to get on my soapbox for a second and say, if you are eligible to get the vaccine, go get the fucking vaccine. Okay? <laughs> it's safe, it's effective. I, I mean, the only two arguments that I've people have said that I'm like, okay, I need to think about that one for a second, like how to respond to it is one that it's emergency use only right now that it hasn't gotten like full FDA approval, which is true, but also it's a fucking emergency. So (laughs) (laughs) that counts. And also that does not mean that it's not safe and that it hasn't gone through like rigorous, rigorous testing. Right. Right. And the people who are in the very first trials, it's not like, like they've had this in them for months and months now, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but also, yeah, it's a fucking emergency. And the other thing was like, okay, if I'm young and healthy, why do I have to get it? And it's especially if everybody who is vulnerable goes out and gets it. And my answer to that is because I'm Dr. Fauci is the longer that the virus has to stay alive in anybody, including a young, healthy person, the longer it has to mutate and get worse and and become more fatal and more contagious in a way that could harm you in the future. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you may feel like you're low risk right now and that you're not really worried, but you should still get vaccinated because that's the best way to just kill the virus off entirely. Do it for my birthday. Come on. Also that's all do I it want for, for Barry's my birthday. birthday. But more importantly, for the rest of the world. <laughs> Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. (laughs) So with the mutant vaccine pulsing through my blood, let's move on to today's episode. (laughs) Coming up today, we're going to kick things off as always with Worst Things First, where I shout about the stupidest, most ridiculous worst news of the week. After that, we're diving deep into the hallmark hell that is Mother's Day gifts. And finally, we got author Robbie Couch on the pod. Robbie just came out with his debut young adult gay-ass novel called The Sky Blues, which I absolutely loved. We talk about that, roller coasters, birds, which took on a new meaning to me this past weekend because I went to the park and on two separate occasions on the same day, I got shit on by two separate birds (laughs) and... My vendetta against birds heightened this past week. And so I I felt validated in this conversation with Robbie. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's start the show. All right. Worst things first. Let's talk about the worst news of the week. First, a German police bomb squad was called to investigate a suspected hand grenade in a Bavarian forest. 
That's my favorite type of forest. <laughs> I love a Bavarian forest because when you bite into it and it's got that cream, mm. ugh, love it. That's where they make it. Yeah. Bavarian cream. The little elves. I really, I still don't entirely know what Bavarian cream is versus like whipped cream. Mm -hmm. Is that the one? I never knew what a Bavarian cream donut was. No, Do you know what I'm talking barely, about? First of all? Barely. Also, why would you ask me about a baking situation? You're the expert here. Because you've eaten donuts before. Have you not? Yeah, I love donuts. Okay, well, Bavarian cream is a popular donut. Probably why I don't know it as well, because I'm not a huge cream donut lady. Yeah, some of them, it's like custard, Bavarian cream, Boston mm -hmm. cream. And I never know that difference when I'm ordering. No. Maybe we should go straight to the Bavarian forest, straight to the source. Anyway, police bomb squad was called to the Bavarian forest about a hand grenade. They get there. Turns out the object was actually a rubber sex toy. Yay. Boom. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> it causes a different kind of explosion. Am I right? Oh. A jogger reported finding a bag containing the device in this forest. I guess they've like found a bag and then they were like, let me go through this bag. And then they found a grenade. And then the bomb squad arrived and inspected it. And um, they determined that it was a rubber grenade replica <laughs> and that the condoms and lube in the bag helped inform their hypothesis. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, listen, if I found a bag that had what appeared to be condoms, lube and a grenade, <laughs> I don't know what I would think. I think someone's out here to have a good time. Yeah. I'm, we're about to make some fireworks happen. We're about to make some Bavarian cream. <laughs> That's it. That's <laughs> it. I also love that the police said an internet search confirmed the suspicion. These are actually sex toys <laughs> in the form of a hand grenade. <laughs> I love that. That I just imagine that like the police came up to it. They looked at it and one of them just like pulled out their phone and was like, okay, yeah, let's just double check. sex toy. Yep, 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 yep. Can confirm. I am curious though what actually the intended purpose of this toy is. Is it like a vibrator in the, in yeah. the shape of a grenade? Is it like a butt plug? Right. Does maybe the pin of the grenade come out and you use the pin? <laughs> God. Oh, God. Uh, for what? What hole is the <laughs> pin going in? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I barely know what a grenade looks like. It's a circle. Anyway, next. Police in North Carolina say they arrested a goat after they got a call reporting an attempted break in this sounds like a job for fred the goat fred the goat we need a fred the goat theme song we really. do we do fred the goat fred the goat well free and that's goats. just spider-man <laughs> <laughs> he deserves his own okay okay we'll work on it we'll work on it anyway uh the charlotte observer reported that uh this goat incident occurred in greenville which was a college town so who knows who knows what this goat was getting up to you don't know if he was just coming from some type type of kegger, some type of oh, yeah. rager. Oh, yeah. Some type of sorority party, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Maybe she maybe it's a she. Maybe she was rushing. Yeah. Maybe it was maybe it was hell week, whatever that means. I never understood. It's every week in, in my life. Um, right. Who needs hell week when you have depression? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, so 
Animal Protective Services showed up and said um, that officers arrived to find a goat hanging out around the windows of a house. So basically someone someone saw a goat and they were like, okay, let me call the police. Again, you have a free goat now. Yeah, I don't understand. You, get, you have fresh milk. You can churn cheese. You've got a whole business going. They're very cute. You could start a yoga class. Like there's so much that you can do with a goat. And yet you have the audacity to just call the cops. Also, you know, it's not in goat's milk. What? Lactate or whatever oh. it's called. Or is that the brand name for the milk that you're drinking? I but think, but either way. Lactose. That's the word for it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's no lactose in goat's milk. As yeah. If I remember correctly. So you can eat like goat's cheese, goat's milk, and not diarrhea your pants like you would with cow's milk. So exactly. I'm just saying, if you're lactose intolerant and a goat shows up at your front door, that's some free diarrhea-less milk for you right there. R- whip out a bowl of cereal. You can squeeze it right off, right off the tap. i'm gonna exclusively call my boobs the taps once i have children (laughs) they took this go back to the city's animal shelter the police said that the the goat was taken back to his owner to quote finish his sentence in house arrest real cute real fun to impose your 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 language of of Restriction upon this beautiful animal. Disgusting. And finally, the internet sensation known as Prancer. A troubled two-year-old demonic chihuahua <laughs> uh, who was, was made famous by uh, what has been called a brutally honest adoption ad that described <laughs> him as a 13-pound rage machine a haunted Victorian child in the body of a small dog and a (laughs) Chucky doll in a dog's body has been adopted. Yay. And why is this worst things first? Because it was not adopted by me. (laughs) I would have taken Prancer in a heartbeat if for the fact that Prancer was described as literally hating men. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, same. (laughs) Um, right, true. I do feel like Prancer and I would have bonded over our hatred of men. Oh, yeah. You are spiritually connected. Kindred spirits, you know? My soul lives inside Prancer. <laughs> and I'd like to think that a piece of Prancer lives inside of me. Yeah, you are each other's horcruxes. Right. So nobody kill Prancer. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were, were completely unaware of this story, not on the internet, Prancer was this two-year-old Chihuahua, is this two-year-old Chihuahua, who was up for adoption, has been up for adoption uh, at this adoption league. I don't know what they call it. Adoption center in New Jersey. And uh, the foster parent posted this ad for Prancer saying, basically, I have been hesitant to even post this ad for Prancer because it's the worst dog I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> he hates just about everything. I like how they described him as coming to the agency with uh, nothing but like they were wearing a sweater and he had nothing but a bacon egg and cheese sandwich in his crate with him. <laughs> 
So um, an amazing ad for this amazing dog that went viral. And luckily, the uh, foster caretaker announced uh, not long after that Prancer was adopted. After he was adopted, the original poster wrote, Prancer is almost a distant nightmare to me now, even though he was adopted just over a week ago. His adoption day was one of the best days of my life. <laughs> uh, on the flip side, it was like expelling myself of a demon and passing it on to someone else. <laughs> um, so shout out to the amazing lesbian who inherited Prancer and hopefully they can hate men together. And that is it for this week's Worst Things First. If you want to hear and see even more stories from this week's Worst Things First that were brutally cut from this week's episode, you can head to my Patreon, patreon.com slash And next, we're diving deep into the worst gifts to get your mom. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. All right. Well, unfortunately for all of the people in my life, I am just absolutely horrible at giving gifts. Okay. I just think it requires a very particular set of skills that some people like Liam Neeson have. And then some people like me just don't, okay? Because you have to be good at capitalism. You have to be good at observing things. You have to be good at time management so that you get stuff before whatever thing it is that you're giving the gift for. It's too much. And I know some people may be like, oh, well, maybe if you cared, you'd put in the effort to be better at gift giving. No, okay? I show affection in other ways. Like posting a picture of us on Instagram where I look slightly better, but I still acknowledge whatever the occasion is. Or sending disgusting memes that make me think of you, but also make you question what kind of person I am. That's how I show affection. Okay, not all of life is about gift giving. Even though I know like giving and receiving gifts is one of the love languages or fucking whatever. And that's how a lot of people interpret, uh, uh, you know, affection from others. But there's just something about having to get a gift for someone where I just immediately forget everything I know about that person. <laughs> just like, who are you? What do you like? I've never met this person before in my life. And no person suffers from this shortcoming of mine uh, more than my mother. Because every time her birthday or Mother's Day comes around, which is practically every single year, it's just like, <laughs> who are you even? Oh, also, what could you possibly even need? Am I not enough for you? I'm the gift that keeps on giving. So no, I am not good at gift giving, but I am good at complaining about things. I may not be able to tell you what to get your mom for Mother's Day, but I can tell you what absolutely not to buy for her. And therefore, maybe whittle your list of options down to something acceptable. So let's get into it. These are the worst Mother's Day gifts of all time. First, homemade coupon books. Get the fuck out of here with your- Oh, I am definitely guilty of this. 
<laughs> I'm so sick of all these little kids with their duct tape and uh, oh, I have a stack of wrinkled construction paper that I'm just going to mangle together and call it a gift. When really it's just a, a bunch of limited time promises <laughs> that they, they're not even going to keep. Oh, you're going to give your mom a coupon for a free hug? Like you're charging her for them the rest of the time, dumbass? <laughs> I just think there's nothing you could offer a mom in coupon form that isn't going to make her life worse in some way. Like, oh, oh you're going to offer to make her breakfast in bed? You're basically just saying, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna make you a bunch of undercooked and burnt pancakes. I'm going to spill a bunch of orange juice on your sheets. And then I'm going to make you clean it all up afterwards. Happy, happy Mother's Day. Plan. <laughs> Listen, as a, as the gift giver, sure, great for you. As the mother, absolutely not. I think it's a great reminder that like, like really at the end of the day, like it's her fault for raising you. Yeah. You know? That's like the, the entire premise of Mother's Day is like, oh, honor, honor your mom because she gave birth to you at some point and raised you. And it's like, okay. That was her choice. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a feminist, and I believe that it was her choice to do this, okay? She didn't have to. She'd have easily taken me out. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, I never remember. We never really did coupon books, but I do remember there was one year where it was probably like second or third grade where they had us they were going to type up like a recipe book mm -hmm. and this was in like the nineties. So, you know, typing something up took months, if not years mm -hmm. to self publish in that way. <laughs> um, but they were like, we're going to make a cookbook for moms featuring all of your mom's favorite recipes, but you have to ask your mom for her favorite recipe without telling her that this is for a gift I don't even remember the recipe that my mom gave me. I just remember it being one that she was like, here's one that I don't really care about. And then I remember the day of Mother's <laughs> Day when she got it and realized that's what it was for. She was like, oh, if I had known this, I wouldn't have given you that one. It's <laughs> like, yeah, because this entire premise is fucked. OK, <laughs> blame my teacher. Anyway, overall, I am just never in favor of a homemade Mother's Day gift because it's just like, great, you, you crafted this hideous sculpture out of Play-Doh and boogers, and now we got to display it? It just becomes all about the gift giver's ego. Okay, oh, look at me. I'm an artist. I make stuff. I'm creative. But really, all you did was give the gift of, of mom having to pretend like she likes the shit that you made out of popsicle sticks and felt. Also, like, that's it on a strict timeline where, like, you, you think you're going to move that from the mantle? That better be there until I'm fucking 80 <laughs> years old. Okay? No, absolutely not. This is now a point of contention. A homemade, the only homemade gift that is acceptable is an edible homemade gift. <laughs> and I do mean marijuana. <laughs> Next, jewelry. Yeah, I feel like jewelry is such a go-to Mother's Day gift. It's like, okay, we get it. You, you're, you're getting your blood diamonds. You're getting your, your golds. I just think most mother-focused jewelry is just too, too braggy about being a mom. It's like, mm. oh, here, here's a heart that has mom written inside of it. Now she has to walk around, let everyone know that she dumped you out of her vagina, <laughs> or you got cut out of her stomach. 
Or she brought you into her home at a young age and raised you like her own. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> she gave birth to you however many years ago. She doesn't need to be reminded of it every time she looks around her neck. You scarred her enough. <laughs> Mostly I don't, I genuinely don't like getting my mom jewelry anymore because it just feels like no thought went into it. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I guess here's like a thing that people give. Maybe this, that's just the yeah, approach I, I give, I bring to it and that's why it's bad. <laughs> right. Well, also jewelry is one of those things where it's like you usually have like a particular taste. Yeah. And it's just so easy to get someone jewelry that they're not going to like. Right. Here's some alternative ideas. Get matching best friends necklaces with your mom. I think mm -hmm, that's like mm -hmm. super normal and very healthy. healthy. Also, just get a tattoo of your mom on you. Her full face. Yeah. Yeah. Right on your your right ass cheek. Right. Right. Actually, every year, get a portrait of her to see how she's aging oh tattooed on you. <laughs> to have your whole body filled with your aging mother. Anyway, next collectible figurines. We used to give these to my mom every year, and I don't know how she didn't just immediately toss them out the window. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably also a product of the 90s. Um, I don't know if collectibles are as big of a thing right now. Get your mom mm. an NFT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she can only get one. But we used to give my mom, do you know Precious Moments? Oh, yeah. Obviously, I, never I know knew. Precious Moments. I just remember because they used to sell them at like department stores and there was a special yeah, like yeah, collectible yeah. area of the department store that we would go to and they'd open. It was like behind a lock and key. Someone had to open. <laughs> they'd slide the glass door and pull out the Precious Moments figurine that we were getting my mom for that. Wow. <laughs> so beautiful. So special. I, it's just nobody who wants this. Well, I, uh, my mom still has all of them in like a display case prominently in our <laughs> living room. <laughs> yeah. But there's just no collectible that I would ever want. Okay. Anyway, next cleaning supplies, like a vacuum cleaner for mom, a vacuum cleaner. Okay. Why don't you just buy her some chains? Okay. Why don't you just shackle her up? Tell her. Tell her to run the homestead. When I was little, I used to ask for cleaning supplies for oh Monica because I there were all those commercials of the like the the like sweeping things that go that extend all the way to the ceiling, and I was like, "That's incredible! <laughs> <laughs> Look how far it can extend." That is the problem with uh, yeah commercials <laughs> advertisements is they make everything seem so exciting, but really what what they're selling is labor. <laughs> you know what? Get what every mom actually wants, which is anything from the as seen on TV section of Walgreens. Uh -huh. That's what your mom wants. Okay. She wants the slap chop. She wants <laughs> what, what else? She wants, if you want to get her jewelry, get her some of that kind of jewelry. Uh -huh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Call, call that number. It, sit with her as she watches the screen, just calling Hour after Get hour. Get her the copper bracelet that says it will extend her life by 30 years. <laughs> yes. And finally, literally any tech product. Okay? Unless <laughs> don't do it. Unless you want to give unless you want to give yourself the role of technician for the rest of your life. Welcome to the Geek Squad. That's what I say whenever I get my, my mom a tech gift. <laughs> That's when the homemade coupon comes in handy, though. That is true. You get, you get one consulting 
session on this tech product and that is it. Yeah. You get one coupon for one The hour. only acceptable use of either of those gifts is using them together. You get a, a coupon <laughs> book full of tech tech consultations. That have very strict expiration dates. This is not Bed Bath & Beyond, okay? Yeah. Our coupons do expire. They do expire, and so will I if I have to do, get on one more call <laughs> and answer the same question. The other thing, my only advice is if you're giving your mom a, a tech gift, you better give her a little notebook and a pen to go with it so that that one tech call that she gets, she takes fucking notes so that she's not calling you every other day asking the same thing. And yes, I'm specifically talking about Debbie, <laughs> who has asked me like once every three days why uh, she keeps muting people in her text messages. <laughs> it is the joy of being a child and it is the joy of being a mom is to give and receive <laughs> gifts. And by that, I mean to complain about it on your podcast. So happy Mother's Day. Be responsible in your gift giving. And I don't know, just get her like a gift card to Starbucks or something. She'll like that. So you're welcome for all this advice, everybody. And that is it for this week's Deep Dive. Next, we got Robbie Couch on the pod right after this commercial break. My guest complainer today is writer extraordinaire, published author, Robbie Couch. He's the author of the young adult romantic comedy, The Sky Blues, which I read and I loved. And also, he, you should know he identifies as gay and afraid of birds. So we will get into all of these things. Welcome, Robbie. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. I'm terrified so of birds. I, we could spend the whole hour talking about that, I mean, but. we really could, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We <laughs> always start with what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves? Roller coasters. I Okay, good, good. Same. Okay, good. I cannot deal. So I um so I'm from Michigan originally, and anyone from mm -hmm. Michigan, Ohio, like the upper Midwest knows about Cedar Point. Cedar Point is like, right. you know, the big amusement park. I went on a summer trip to Cedar Point when I was in middle school, and I was already not looking forward to it because I had already known at that point that I don't vibe with roller coasters. <laughs> but I was like, all right, whatever, my friends are going, let's just do it. You know when you get to an amusement park and everyone's like super jazzed up, and so you just go on like all the rides really quickly? Uh -huh. I went on like three roller coasters super fast, was already feeling queasy, was already feeling so gross and regretting my life decisions. And then we went on the Iron Dragon for a fourth roller coaster. Uh -huh. I recognized the guy working. He was like an old family friend that I hadn't seen in years, but I like made eye contact with him and was like, oh, like we kind of gestured like, oh, after the ride, I'll come say hi after I'm done riding. You can probably uh -huh. sense where this is going. <laughs> so I go on the ride, get off the roller coaster, feel horrific. I'm walking across the platform to like greet him and say hello and projectile vomit, lime oh, green no. everywhere, <laughs> like exorcist level, like terrible. Right. And yeah, because nothing you've consumed at an amusement park is is going to come out in like an elegant <laughs> way exactly. either. I don't, I don't even know what I had that day. Probably like a green slushy and like a purple hot dog and like <laughs> right. who the hell knows. It's all just chemicals. Yes. 
And it was traumatizing. And I, after that day, I was like, I will never let, like my friends like rushed me off the platform. Like I was like in a boy band or something. And, <laughs> and that was it. So suffice to say, yeah, I, I can't do like motion sickness. I'm that person in the car. That's like, I either have to be in front or like in the bitch seat in the back. Like I'm that friend, that annoying friend. I just, <laughs> it's tough. So yeah, I, I will never get on another roller coaster until I die. I feel seen because I I always felt so self-conscious and like inadequate whenever my friends would want to go to like we would I was never like an amusement park person to begin with. But the, occasionally we would have like, you know, like the town fair I, where they would set up like the most rickety roller coaster you've ever seen in your life. Yes. Because it was just this roving band of people who would like nail together a roller coaster overnight. <laughs> and I always felt so bad because I didn't, it would never end well. Yeah. Oh my God. Awful. Yes. Yeah, so we had the Clio Carnival, I think it was called. That was uh-huh. what you're describing. And I right. also have carnival, like, right. Right. I also have like probably five more puke stories from, from that <laughs> aspect of my life. There was a ride called the Gravitron. I don't know if anyone's familiar with the Gravitron, but where, that where you, you stand against the wall. Yes. And I'm like mm-mm, this, mm-mm. someone who's like an expert in torture invented this ride. Yeah. And there was some, some vomit associated with, with that experience <laughs> as well. So I, yeah. Did you have like high school physics class that would go to an amusement park as like a field trip? <laughs> I wasn't smart enough to take physics in high school, so <laughs> I'm sure the physics class did go, but I wasn't I wasn't a part of that. <laughs> I don't remember. I feel like in my high school everybody took physics, but maybe it maybe you know, maybe I went to a spe- I went to a public school. It's not like I, I went to any fancy school either. Yeah, I think this that maybe the standards were lower in my high school. I don't think I took <laughs> physics. I think I was I was definitely one of those kids that was like get the bare minimum like uh-huh, requirements uh-huh. of math and science and then take art and photography and <laughs> writing and yeah, I yeah. I was gay in other words. Right. I mean, same, but I I guess I channeled my gayness into being good at math and science, which is yes. shocking to people, but yeah, I was that kind of nerd. Uh, no, but yeah, I great. remember our my physics class, for some reason, we took a field trip to the uh, Six Flags, and it was, there was a special group for people who didn't like roller coasters that I always felt so, <laughs> <laughs> felt so shamed to be in that we were like the losers who didn't want to go on roller coasters. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, yeah. now as an adult looking back, I'm like, go you. Like, you have that. <laughs> you should feel empowered to say no, say no to roller coasters. Right, but, right. So what did your class just like, I'm just envisioning a bunch of like teenagers with little clipboards, like watching the roller coasters happen. Oh, and, like, it had nothing to or... do with physics. I don't <laughs> oh, understand okay. why. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, I guess we did, we spent the year doing a whole bunch of problems about like roller coasters. And then we... <laughs> you know, ostensibly we're going for, I think it was yeah. just for fun. There was no like scientific element to it. Right. Those, those are was, the best field trips. Yeah. It was just an excuse to, to shame me. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it was, it's also more expensive because then it was like, I was, I was really just going to like play carnival games, yeah. which you get nothing and you spend everything. Exactly. It's really a scam. No, I mean the broader, answer to your question should have been amusement parks because I don't <laughs> yeah. like roller coasters but the overall the experience is not my fa- and then you're paying like you know speaking of purple hot dogs like $20 for a purple hot- I mean it's just like the prices are outrageous 
Everyone's puking. I feel like Wait, you're is there a purple all... hot dog like a thing that you would get? <laughs> no, at I don't know. I don't know why I'm going with that. <laughs> okay. But I feel I just like... didn't know if it was a regional specialty that I was unaware no, of. No, I'm just pulling <laughs> stuff out of my head right now. I'm sure somewhere uh-huh. in America's amusement parks there's a purple hot dog somewhere. Yeah. Or if there isn't, that is probably a good, you know, little kitschy thing to do. But um no, and you're all. It's, I feel like you're always like, okay, got to hit the road at like six a.m. to get there on time, and then you're not. Yeah. Leaving, you're there all day. Everyone's exhausted and like hangry by the end of the day. I, it's just, I'm, I'm gonna pass. It's never worth it. It's never worth it. Um. <laughs> okay. So that roller coasters was one of them. Mm-hmm. What is next on your list? Okay, I would say number two is, and this is maybe a little niche, but I'm just gonna roll with it. Love niche. Platform beds. I cannot do platform <laughs> beds. And I have a platform bed right to to my right is uh-huh. a platform bed that I was so excited to get. I'm still uncertain exactly what a platform bed is. <laughs> is it literally just a flat surface that is raised off the ground? Yeah, it's like and a And the bougie- mattress is just on the yeah. flat surface. Yes, it sounds okay, okay. ridiculous. And maybe it is because it is ridiculous. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yes, it's basically like, as opposed to what I guess I'll call a normal bed, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. which is, you know, a mattress on an actual frame that's like elevated a foot or two off the ground. Right. Yes, a platform bed is just like a piece of wood <laughs> on the ground that your mattress is on. Uh-huh. And somehow a marketer convinced me that it's really stylish and cool. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? It is. So I just moved to Los Angeles about a year ago in the middle of a right. pandemic. Do not recommend it. But yeah. um, there's there's two <laughs> there's two big reasons why now I'm regretting my decision. Number one, I'm over the age of 30 and uh-huh. I have what's called lower back problems. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're sleeping basically on the floor every day, and uh-huh. I have a good quality mattress to be sure, but yeah. getting up every morning, I'm like, it's I have like that window of a minute or so where I'm like, did I shatter my back over the course of the night or not? (laughs) And so getting up in like down from my platform bed is not the most fun for Uh old men like me. And the second thing is that I think, and this is just my own theory, but I think it makes sense when you're sleeping on the floor, basically you're more susceptible to like critters and I have found multiple <laughs> uh-huh. spiders, multiple oh, like no. bugs. Yes. So I'm thinking like there's like, I don't know if there's an infestation somewhere in my apartment, but like I'm constantly just being woken up by my own panic thoughts about like what is crawling on me and uh-huh. being on the floor does not help that. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm always amazed because uh, I also grew up in the Midwest, which... Uh, Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong because I, I feel like everywhere is there's forests everywhere. <laughs> it's hot, hot new information. Um, but I always assume like moving out of the Midwest, I would deal less with like vermin. <laughs> but right. that's not true. They're, they're, vermin are everywhere. Vermin are everywhere, and you just have to kind of get used to whatever is like the local, the local right. vermin. <laughs> like I had lived in New York, and I was when I first moved to New York, I was terrified of cockroaches. Uh-huh. And then I, I won't say I'm used to cockroaches. I'm definitely not. But I no. went from level like horrified of them to like, oh, this just sucks. That there's a fucking cockroach in my apartment. Uh-huh. And moving here, I feel like I'm going to have to make that same like leap of getting used to. Although I don't really know what L.A. Like, I'm sure they have very big cockroaches here. I haven't seen one knock on wood. 
but yeah. there's like l- like lizards and like more reptilian things that I think uh-huh, I have to get used uh-huh. to. Yeah, there's more a- like desert. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Scary things. Although not to terrify you, but I will say the only time that I've ever seen a cockroach fly is in mm. L.A. <laughs> uh, okay, I've heard that this is a thing here. I haven't I, seen it, but I've heard it is a thing. I've never been so scared in my life than when when I saw that cockroach take flight. <laughs> oh like I God. knew I knew they were under there. I knew they had, you know, folds where where wings could happen, but I'd never seen it. And yeah, if any, I any guess that. that I had of ever moving to uh, uh, to L.A. <laughs> died with when that cockroach <laughs> took flight. That is horrifying. I don't know what to do with that information other than get out of my lease ASAP. <laughs> yeah, get a I've, bigger I've... fly swatter. <laughs> right. Okay, remember you had one one more, right? Yes. This one is probably the least exciting because you already mentioned it, but and I've probably talked ad nauseum about it online, so we don't okay. have to go into, into details if you don't want, but I did include birds. Just because okay, yes. I am anti I do want to talk about birds. <laughs> okay, Where did okay. your fear of birds begin? I want to talk about this journey. Yes. So literally my first memory, the, the very first thing I remember on planet Earth, I, th- I was either three or four. I haven't gotten like a confirmed fact check from my parents, but it, I was either three or four. And I was in a park at an amusement park. And I swear to God, I didn't even like put that together until now. But I was at an amusement park in a little like um, actual park. And there was like a trolley that went through like a little wooded area and there was some birds chilling. And one of the birds was this big ass swan. And I think when you're a kid and you don't really know like what a swan is, it looks very, you know, regal and beautiful. And uh-huh, so uh-huh. I, <laughs> and I think the trolley had like paused or something, so we weren't moving. And I was chilling like right next to the side of like in my cart, the swan waddled up and in my brain, my little three-year-old brain, I'm thinking, oh, it's like a puppy or a cat. So I reach uh-huh. out and it bites the crap out of me. I remember sobbing just like uncontrollably for so long. Uh-huh. So that was like my first, I'm going to say traumatic experience with a bird. Yeah. And then I've just never had a good relationship with them since. I was in Rome, Italy, and... Um, as opposed to any other Rome, but, um, (laughs) there are a shocking number. There's like Rome, Texas. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. But just to be clear, I was in the country of Italy and, Uh um, and I was, I was studying abroad there. So I was doing this like classroom assignment out like man on the street interviews and, um, a bird, which I can't confirm if it was a pigeon or not, but I'm (laughs) assuming it was a pigeon because there were so many pigeons Uh landed on my head in the middle of this interview hung out for a second and the the people it was like this elderly british couple that i was interviewing and they were looking at me like what is happening right now <laughs> and i didn't know what to do i kind of froze and then it took off again but it scraped my like scalp so hard uh-huh. it drew blood so it was i had like this massive scratch on my head so that was another terrible instance with winged beasts that, uh-huh. I, that traumatized me. And then I've just gotten shat on so many times, like uh-huh. probably over a dozen times throughout my life. I've been pooped on by birds. So I just, I don't want them. I don't support violence against them. I don't encourage anyone to go, you know, murder the birds in their yard. Right, right. But I just don't want them around me. I want like a good, like socially distant, a socially distant <laughs> bird is okay. Just yeah. stay away. 
There are, especially like in a big city uh, like New York or I, L.A. has, I feel like, less less bird life or less aggressive bird life. <laughs> but in a big city, they always are. They, they're a little too bold. They don't understand boundaries. Yes. They're w- they're way too fearless. Yeah. And it's sort of like squirrels. I f- and I, I don't mm-hmm. mind squirrels, mm-hmm. but squirrels, they're just so used to humans that they'll like chill on your shoulder sometimes right i mean that's like not okay like pizza rat just like hanging out with his pizza on the platform with people i'm like (laughs) what is going on yeah there is yeah there's something beautiful i like i love i love when a rat is just able to like live his best life but i don't like when it interferes with my best life so (laughs) yeah right boundaries boundaries Um, are important uh, I want to talk about your book. This is your yes. first book, right? I, I mean, inaugural yeah. author. It was amazing. I absolutely loved it. You sent it. it I, I felt bad that uh, I got an early copy and it took me several months uh, oh <laughs> to God. actually read it. But I got it. I got it in time uh, before it came out. And um, yeah. yeah, for people who have no idea, what is what is the synopsis? Yeah. Well, first of all, no problem with being a slow reader. I'm the <laughs> slowest reader. And everyone assumes because I'm an author that I am uh-huh. like a, very, a super fast reader and it's the exact opposite. So if you give me a book now, I'll finish it at some point in 2021. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so the synopsis is centered around Sky Baker, who is a high school senior. And you kind of meet him in a very weird, not great place in his life where he is fresh out of the closet um, he's dealing with some family rejection and homophobic bullies at school. But the one thing that he's very, very excited about for his senior year is the opportunity to propose to Ali, who is his mm-hmm. super huge crush that he's like obsessed with. And he's not sure if Ali is gay or straight or bi or or into him at all. He has no clue. But he's like, you know what? It's my senior year. I'm just going to go for it. But... Before he can do that, his really long list of kind of like eccentric, off the wall, kind of embarrassing promposal ideas gets leaked to the whole school in a terrible mm-hmm. e-blast hack. And so now Sky has to figure out, you know, what the hell he's going to do, if he's going to find out who did this, who this anonymous person is, if he's going to get revenge. And yeah, it's it's super rom-commy. I think hopefully it has some heart to it and will mm-hmm. bring out all the feels. And there's some themes that um, I think are really important for, for everyone, but especially queer youth to kind of understand, such as like found family and the power of friendship and and I think kind of navigating, I, I think we've we've made such big progress with LGBTQ rights and visibility in so many ways, mm-hmm. but that progress hasn't necessarily been like equally distributed across the country. And there's still lots of communities like Rockledge, Michigan, which is a fictional place, but um, that, you know, you still have to deal with blatant homophobia and blatant transphobia. So, um, but at the same time, there's so many great allies and people who will stand up and fight for you. So I think Sky's World kind of captures this moment where we are in in that struggle. Right. Yeah. And what I loved about it too, I mean, it was... The central tension is not about someone who has this secret that they're gay and that they're, you know, they spend the entire time like that. Like Love, Simon, I feel like is that classic example of this is a story where the central conflict is this character who has a secret that they're gay 
and that gets exposed yeah. and like how embarrassing for them and they have to overcome that. Um, love, love Simon. <laughs> no shade to love Simon. But yeah. I do feel like the window for that type of story, we're sort of like, it was very small and we're past that now. And now it's like, let's not have a story where the central thing is, is this character going to come out or not? Uh, yeah. I mean, was that like something you thought about? For sure. Yes. It was super intentional. And I'm with you. I don't, I'm, I love, love Simon. And, yeah. um, and it came out in 2015, I want to say, and it was like blazing trails in many ways, even just like six years ago, but we've kind of got to a point now where, yeah, there's just so many other stories other than just the coming out narrative that a mm -hmm. lot of queer authors and storytellers are embracing and, and normalizing like all the facets of being queer. That's just not necessarily super extraordinary or remarkable, but still like, you know, worth telling. Uh -huh. um, like for my second book, um, it's very, it's sort of like a spin on Legally Blonde. It's sort of like a queer YA <laughs> um, retelling-ish of Legally Blonde. And there really isn't any blatant homophobia or transphobia. The world that they kind of live in mm -hmm. um, is kind of free of that. They have very accepting parents and the school they go to is very like inclusive. And I'm not saying that's necessarily like that we're completely there yet as a society, but I do think you have many more stories that are just sort of embracing, you know, what what this world looks like, especially for young people who are growing up where being queer isn't this like crazy abnormality. It's just a part of life. So, right. Um, right. Yeah. But I agree. I think we're we're moving in a good direction on all fronts when it comes to queer stories. Yeah. Yeah, the first phase was like queer stories, but everybody died in the end. <laughs> and then it was like coming out stories, which were great. Um, and now yes. it's like exploring things in a more um, nuanced way, I guess. Uh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, yeah, I think it's also like like you mentioned, it's like that that's totally progress being had. But um there's still a lot of work to be done. I feel like with, especially like the YA genre has gotten so much better at elevating different voices and stuff. I think we mm -hmm. could do better. Like I'm fully aware that I'm a cisgender white gay dude and within the LGBTQ world, you know, I'm still relatively privileged. And so I think we do need to get better at, you know, like raising BIPOC voices and other marginalized groups within the queer community. Um, so there's still a lot of progress to be had in that front, but I think we're getting there. And there's been so many like great um, people of color who have written queer YA the past few years. And I'm just super excited to have those stories out there too. So uh, yeah, hopefully the sky blues is adding to, you know, that step in the positive direction. Right. Was there like a, a choice at some point to write YA versus like, I don't know what the, there's no opposite of YA, <laughs> but like, uh, yeah. What drew you to right. YA, I guess is the better question. Yeah, I would say, I think with YA, can you hear the lawnmower outside? Sorry. Is <laughs> it's it why, so I mean, there loud? are noises everywhere. Everyone All knows right. we're recording in, it, yeah, our garages, might, basically. It might sound like a lawnmower is on my platform bed next to me, but it's not. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was not necessarily like a conscious choice at the beginning, um, thinking about what story I wanted to tell, it was more, I was focused on developing the character and like what kind of world they would 
live in and I kind of landed on a high school senior, a teenager. And so it made the most sense to fit Sky's story into kind of that YA space. Mm -hmm. Um, So I kind of worked at it, I guess, backwards in a certain sense. And I don't know, I think teenagers are fascinating because it's like when you were a teenager, you're going through so much shit. You know, you're trying to figure out who you are. You're being pushed and pulled in so many directions. I think if you're queer, there's also that layer of feeling like you're, you know, you're trying to figure out what you're, I, who you are, your identity. And so um, I was just really like drawn to the idea of having a character like Sky, who was, you know, had already come out of the closet and was in that space where he's moving through the world as an openly queer person for the first time. And there's many, you know, high points associated with that. There's lots of low points associated with that. So I kind of thought that period in a young person's life was an area that I kind of wanted to explore. So that kind of helped me figure out who Sky was. And it kind of fit best in the young adult genre, I think. Uh, did you, I mean, I, I don't know a way of asking this that doesn't just sound like how was your high school experience, but like writing the book, did you feel like you were reliving your own high school experience? <laughs> no, that's a good question. I... Yes and no. I think I did in the sense that, you know, it's in rural Michigan. The world that Sky lives in is very much like I, I allowed my own childhood and teenage years to kind of like inform Sky's mm-hmm. world. So that was I've been saying it's like autobiographical ish in that way. Right. But Sky's experiences um, are very different than mine. So first of all, I wasn't openly gay in high school. I came out in college. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the kind of direct homophobia that he faces is something that I didn't deal with because I, I wasn't out. Um, and so everything that Scott and a lot of the, like his relationship with his parents and there's many ways that his story deviates from mine. Mm-hmm. But I think I definitely relied on my own upbringing in Michigan and just sort of the like small town interactions and the way people think. And, you know, I definitely drew on my own experience in that way. But thank God I never had a homophobic, you know, e-blast hack destroy my (laughs) senior year because I don't know if I would have been able to come back from that. Yeah, I I know. I I always think about that. Uh, Like, obviously, it's all relative. And like every every generation has their own like shit that they have to deal with. Um, (laughs) But I'm like, thank God we didn't have like uh, Facebook and Twitter in high school because I would have. Yeah. It would have ended me. <laughs> it would have been so bad. And that's yeah. why I feel sort of awkward when, like, sometimes you'll see adults on social media, like, mocking teenagers, like, on TikTok and stuff. And I'm like, oh, well, first of all, if anyone's saying or doing, like, racist things or massaging, like, no, that's not acceptable. That's not good. But right. if a teenager is just being, like, a silly 14-year-old or 15-year-old and their video goes viral, I'll uh-huh. see adults, like, mocking them. And I'm like, dude, you know you would have been just as weird and freaky and doing crazy stuff if you were in yeah. high school. Like, like lay off a little bit. It's very weird to see that happen because, yeah, I would have, I would have, <laughs> there would have been some viral videos of me by now doing some strange things. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm embarrassed by everything I put out now. I can't even imagine how I would feel 15 years ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, we're just about out of time. Um, before we let you go, where can people find you and your work? Yeah, so I spend way too much time on Twitter. So you can find me on Twitter at Ravi underscore couch. 
and it's couch just like a sofa piece of furniture. Right. <laughs> there's there's sometimes some some questions about that. Um, and also on Instagram at Robbie Couch. So hopefully you can find me pretty easy. And yeah, if you want to buy the book, it's just in my bio uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Amazing. And you uh, you uh, announced that you sold the movie rights, right? So yes, we'll see. I know. And I, there's like a character waiting for you to play in, <laughs> in it, Matt. <laughs> yes, Just we were you. discussing this in the DMs. Um, yes. I I don't know where I fit in, but I I do, I do feel like I have like high school band teacher energy. <laughs> yes, no, uh-huh. for sure. Well, I'll I'll speak to you know whoever is whoever's going to direct it and get sure, you it. Sure. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This was so much fun. I know this was great. Thank you, Matt. All right, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad shit go down easier, starting with Do Better White People, where we highlight some anti-racism resources and other actions we can take to make our world a little bit better. Barry, what are we highlighting this week? So, you know, it's actually more important than May being my birthday month, which is saying a lot because it's obviously an extremely important part of the month of May. (laughs) What? The fact that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Woo! Woo! So I wanted to highlight a project that our other producer, Melissa, recommended. It's called Lunar, the Jewish Asian Film Project. And so it's basically a bunch of short form video series that highlights young adults who are at the intersection of Jewish and Asian American identities. And they've got a whole bunch of episodes featuring things like food. It's really wonderful. So you can watch those episodes at globaljews.org and we'll link to it in our show notes. Amazing. Well, let's get into to uh, the TV we're watching this week. Barry, what are you watching? I started, I've only watched one episode, but I enjoyed it because, you know, it's Kate Winslet and Jean Smart, who, you know, uh-huh. icons. Uh, and it's Mayor of Easttown, which I cannot unhear Mayor of Easttown, but it's not. It's <laughs> Mayor, like a, like a horse. Uh, uh-huh. M-A-R-E, it's her name, which is like a detective, you know, small town murder kind of show, but it's Kate Winslet. So it's on HBO and that I just started watching that. I am like finally at the point where I can watch things that aren't like just erotic thrillers. Like my brain can start <laughs> like handling watching things that make me feel other emotions than like uh-huh. ridiculousness or like humor. Um, right. Super exciting place to be in my life. Or thrilling and erotic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. There was a tweet that I loved that was like HBO's got a lock on the adaptation of that book that you see at Target, <laughs> um, which is, yeah, the the perfect type of miniseries. It truly is. What about you? What are you watching this week? Honestly, uh, I'm not, I haven't watched anything new this week. I was laid up from my second shot. So I was just rewatching The Office and The Nanny and all of my comfort shows. Good, you know, good. It was one of those weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your non TV chaser? 
My non-TV chaser this week is that I went to a gallery of an artist I really like. And it was, it's also like one of the first artists that when I came to New York, I was like in a gallery and I saw their painting and I was like, oh, wow, art is so cool. And then like the fact that the first gallery I'm going to since the pandemic has happened was his art felt very much like nature is healing. New York is coming (laughs) back vibes. Um, Uh And it was really wonderful. So uh the, the artist is Andrew Kuo, K-U-O, and he does like these really vibrant, incredible paintings that are actually charts. But I'll post in the show notes a link to his Instagram where you can see his work. So, yeah. What about you? What's your non-TV chaser this week? Mine is just that my my brain, I feel like, has been returning a little bit to not normal. (laughs) What a setup. But I feel like I'm finally able to like read stuff again. Cool. In a way that my attention span, I don't know what it was. I think actually when I moved apartments, there was just so much, I got so overwhelmed with so many different things that I like, my reading habit fell off. (laughs) I, I never quite picked it back up but I've been back into like I get the newspaper on the weekends and I read that and I'm like reading my stack of New Yorkers but also reading books including the sky blues that our guest complainer this week Robbie wrote which I loved and it's also nice to have like a young adult novel that is a great like fun read yeah yeah. Um, but also I've I've been reading Hunger by Roxane Gay. Uh-huh. Not not as <laughs> lighthearted. No. <laughs> but no. yeah, I feel like I've been trying to get back into my reading habit and um retraining my my brain how to pay attention to things longer than a tweet, which is possible. I love that. Turns out I feel Better after staring at a book for 30 minutes than staring at my phone for 30 minutes, which is a very unfortunate fact. I recognize this, (laughs) but it is true and it hurts every time. I have to remind myself of that. And that's it for today's show. So thank you for listening to Unhappy Hour. If you want more Unhappy Hour shit, and obviously you do, head straight to my Patreon page where you'll get video of bonus Worst Things First stories that we cut from this week's episode, video of our extended guest complainer interviews, and a bunch of other fun stuff. You can also buy our merch at unhappyhourshop.com. Obviously, also head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, that's A-U-D-A-C-Y, or wherever else you get podcasts, hit that subscribe button, then rate us and review us, but only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, and me, Matt Belisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our music is by Hans Su. You can bother Barry at Finkleberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Bellisai. And you can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. You can leave us a voicemail on our rant hotline at 601-600-RANT. That's 601-600-7268. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Uh, Bye-bye. Let's get loud. Remember when J-Lo did that at the inauguration? (laughs) (laughs) Shiro. 
the Charlotte Observer reports uh, reported that uh, this ca- uh, this goat incident occurred uh, near uh, the co- uh, near a co- in a college town. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 